Man, are you watching the finish of the Bucks? What a, what a, if you went to battle a skosh early last night, you may have missed it. Miami eliminates Milwaukee. Jimmy Butler was ridiculous again. He had 42 last night. But uh, that final possession, oof, ouch. In overtime, down two, Giannis brings it down. They kick it around the perimeter. I don't even know who finally had the basketball. But he, he has a lane and just starts his drive too late, puts up the shot after the buzzer. Now, it doesn't go in. Grayson Allen. Oh, was it Grayson Allen? <laughs> yes. That's even better, Josh. That's even better. But, hey, man, you had two teams move on last night. How about that? My Just like everyone had it, Miami and New York. <laughs> But I have now come to the conclusion, Josh, that there is no team's fan base, maybe even outside of my team, the Raiders, that is more obnoxious and annoying than Knicks fan. And I get it that they haven't won a playoff series in a minute, but you know it's okay to win a playoff series and you won a playoff series. Right, it, it, and you're moving on. It doesn't mean we're winning the title. We're going on. You're like, settle down, Beavis. Anyway, everyone's talking about the Giannis post game. We'll get to that coming up later on in the program. But yes, it is draft day. Uh, I I told this to Toby. I've I don't crunch numbers because I'm not a math pff, math. But I come to you on this. What is today? Thursday morning? A firm believer, Josh Helmer, that Oklahoma is getting a first-round pick tonight. I firmly believe that Anton Harrison is going in the first round tonight. Um, I think, you know, if you look back historically at NFL drafts, quarterback, now anymore the edge rusher, and the offensive line slash tackle is – uh, truly, some of the most overdrafted positions that we've had. Man, maybe that's more specific to quarterback than anything else. But the more I think about it, the more I dig into it, the more I, the more I read, uh, the more buzz that's out there. I think there is a chance that Paris Johnson Jr. could even go in the top five tonight if Arizona keeps its pick. You know, every year. You kind of look at the draft board, and you're like, whoa, where'd that offensive lineman come from? And you, you you hear what those reporters are saying from the team sources. Team sourced notes, Josh. Team sourced notes. You hear what they're hearing. You read what they're saying. And you just get this sense that there might be more offensive line talent early than late, and that if it's a need, rather than wait until the second or the third round to get your guy, you better go ahead and get him now because there might only be five or six true day one dudes in this NFL draft. And, I mean, I don't know about you, Josh, but if I'm one through 20, here's how I, here's how I look at it. One through 10, you're expecting to get a Pro Bowl. You're expecting to get a guy that's going to come in to be a pro bowler for you and and help to be the the foundation of your franchise. 
You know, you get to 10 to 20, you're needing a day one starter. Day one starter. 20 to 32, in the case of tonight's draft, 31, you're looking for a guy that can contribute, help fill a need, be a good player day one. Unless you're drafting a developmental quarterback or um, a developmental guy because you have someone in front of him that's older and retiring. And I'm just starting to believe more and more, Josh Helmer, we're going to see that run on offensive linemen tonight, and I think it's going to benefit Anton Harrison. Well, I hope that you're exactly right. That would be great for Anton, and it'd be terrific for Oklahoma. You don't sound like you're all in, right though, on it right now. No, I still think that there's a a decent chance that Mm. he doesn't go tonight and is an early second. But I'm hoping you're right. I I I don't think that uh, I don't think it's crazy talk. I mean, it definitely can happen. I'm looking. I don't know who this guy is. This is Ben Standing. Are you familiar with Ben Stan? It sounds like a fake name, right? But <laughs> he does. He, he writes for The Athletic. Uh, he he has Paris Johnson Jr. going third overall right now. Um, I saw an Arizona beat writer last night that had Paris Johnson Jr. going third overall in the draft. That would be one of the few shocks to me. I would really be surprised if that happens. But it would be a big benefit for a guy like Anton Harrison. How about this? I think there's a chance that Anton Harrison, depending on how you view Peter Skaronsky, I think you could see Anton Harrison go ahead of Broderick Jones or Darnell Wright tonight. Now, this is not just this is not just OU homerism. Step back. He's a true left tackle. Um, he only allowed one sack over two seasons, and. What is what is Anton Harrison? He is young. He is young. And you think about a dude in Anton Harrison who by the time the season starts is only 21 years old and you take him in the first round and you got him for five years and you see the way that he developed in two or three seasons at Oklahoma, I think that Knowing that his best football is ahead of him, I think people see that ceiling on his freakish athletic ability, and I think there's a really good chance that he goes higher than we think. But like you said, Josh, we hope we'll see, and there's always a few surprises in the first round of the NFL draft, too. I'm surprised that ESPN in its draft cast has Anton Harrison as its seventh highest-rated offensive tackle. I feel like uh, even just looking at the mock drafts out there, whether or not Anton Harrison goes in the first round tonight, right. there's been plenty of projections that he will. Uh, now, again, it's not going to be totally shocking to me if he winds up being an early second-round guy just because I don't think that it's just lock it up, throw away the key that he's definitely a first-round guy. But seventh among offensive tackles, I find that to be a little surprising. Who they have ahead of him? Uh, well, obviously, Skaronsky and Paris Johnson. Well, okay, okay, there's, there's the rub. Most people don't look at, at Skaronsky as a tackle. So if you put Skaronsky as a, as a tackle, then, yeah, you might see Harrison be about fifth or sixth or seventh in that ranking. But anyway, go ahead. I apologize. Broderick Jones, Darnell Wright, Matthew Bergeron, and Cody Mock. Again, Cody Mock, another guy that's being projected as a guard. So I don't – I'm sure those people are much smarter than I am, and they should be because they get paid a little money to do it. But I – 
I, I didn't. I have no idea how they couldn't even have Dewan Jones in there ahead of Matthew Bergeron, but we'll see. I, I think your tackles are Paris Johnson Jr., Broderick Jones, Darnell Wright, Anton Harrison, and Matthew Bergeron. I think Skronsky has the ability to be a tackle. I think Mock has the ability. Do they not have Osiris in there? <laughs> That's been my favorite thing to see recently is a dude that nobody has talked about or heard about leading into this NFL draft process. Then all of a sudden you look at the uh, – the first round, and oh, Osiris Torrance is projected as a first-round pick. <laughs> but he's more of a guard interior guy. So there you go. Um, little draft talk. I, I firmly feel and believe in my heart that Anton Harrison's going to be a first-round pick. Um, I, I think it'll help him if you get, say, Paris Johnson Jr. go as high as he possibly can. But he, here's what I feel in my heart of hearts. There's going to be a run on two positions tonight. And those two positions are going to be offensive line and cornerback. And when one goes, you're going to see about three or four of them go. Because I I don't, and I'm sure there'll be disagreements, I don't think there's a lot of depth at tackle in this draft. I don't think there's a lot of depth at cornerback. But at the top of those two positions are guys that teams feel really good about. So let's just say hypothetically, once the – I'm trying not to bring up the Raiders. But once the Raiders bring up Christian Gonzalez, then I think, Josh, you'll see Devin Witherspoon or Joey Porter Jr. or Deontay Banks or Emmanuel Forbes go boom, boom, boom. I think it'll be pretty quick. So we'll we'll get into it all coming up as the show rolls on. And I'd love to hear some of your draft hot takes as well on the text line at 405-651-3439. Though, based on the way things have typically gone on the text line, you guys couldn't care less about what's going on in the draft tonight. In the meantime, Josh Helmer, we got a very special guest joining us next. Haley Lee is on deck to kick off the Plank Show on a Thursday. We're live at Caven's Group, cavensgroup.com, on every single social media platform. Simply search Caven's Group, and you can find them, 405-573-3048. A lot of rain, so maybe you're realizing that you've got a roof leak issue. Chris is here to help you at 405-573-3048. Or maybe you've started to notice some darker spots on your ceiling or on your walls. Make sure it's not mold. Call Cavens today, 405-573-3048. Haley Lee is next on The Ref. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Josh Helmer. We have tragic breaking news on the Plank Show. Jerry Springer has passed away. Oh, my gosh. Are, are you serious? Do you want to know how old Jerry Springer was? Yeah. He was 79. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, what's up, Gary? What time do you want to come on? Oh, okay, okay. Let's just do 10 a.m. then. that work? All right, cool. We're here at Cavens today. Gary popped in as we just got back. It's cavensgroup.com. Uh, Haley Lee is still in an academic meeting. So, uh, her time is our time. Is that, is that, wait, hold on. Did I say that right? Our time is her time. There you go. Something like that. But no, WLWT reporting that Jerry Springer, former mayor of Cincinnati, which I had completely forgotten about, uh, has died. Oh, man. Were you a Jerry Springer fan? Did you ever watch the show? Of course. Oh, my God. Gosh, I love that show. His, I want to find a montage of how just stupid his final thoughts were. He always had the same. So maybe, 
maybe your husband is cheating on you with your brother. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, your mom is having an affair with your best friend. But in the end, aren't we all just human beings? <laughs> what? <laughs> we'll see what you next it? time. We'll see you next time. <laughs> i got to find Take care of yourself and each other. It's like... His final thoughts, I don't know. I don't know why. They just would always crack me up. It's like, oh, here we go. Here's trying to justify the the, the craziest of crazy. Was uh, was there really anything like the Jerry Springer show before it got started? So if you rem- – I know that – I know that I am now having to accept that I'm an old man. It's been a tough transition from, you know, young, dashingly handsome, cutting edge, all those things, to old, get off my lawn curmudgeon, right? When I get angry at post-game press conference, it's like, why do we even need these? Go play the game. Pre-game shows make me mad. Now you know all these things. But there was that time in the late maybe 80s, early 90s. Old people help me out on this one. Fellow olds where – those shows were the thing. You had Phil Donahue. You had Geraldo did a show. There was a dude that smoked cigarettes unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. And they would yell at each other and they'd it'd go, Sally, Jesse, Raphael, Raphael had a show. And they were all kind of in the same vein. But then Springer came along, Josh, and you're like, okay, all right, this is... Who's this big bald guy that's standing on the stage right now to break things up? Oh, gosh. On the day of the draft, tragic news, Jerry Springer has passed away. Greatest piece of advice that I ever heard from anyone, if you're ever invited on Springer, my man Ed Goggin told me this one time because that was a time, even in the early, what, early to mid-2000s, right? The show was, was really kicking. Hold on, i got to look now and see when the Jerry Springer show was truly in its prime. Every year runs together. But, oh, by the way, softball fan who just saw the tweet and checked in is like, ah, well, you got to get Haley. Not my fault, bro. She's in an academic meeting. Much more important that she stays academically eligible than that she makes it to my show on time. Though for every minute that she that she's late, she's now seven minutes late, she loses um, grace with me. By the time it gets to 9.30, it might be, welcome to the show, Haley. Thanks for joining us. Bye. But no, seriously. Um, the Jerry Springer show was in its prime. Let's see here. It ran until 2018? No. Was it on that long? 25 seasons? Does that seem right to you that they were making new episodes as recently as 2015? No, it doesn't. Oh. They've got it as 28 seasons, 91 to 18. Whoa. So, 19, so 1991, right? You're right in the mix of all that craziness with those shows. But the best, look, here's here's some of the <laughs> season 28, episode 39, Kung Fu Hillbilly, Ninja Master, season 28, episode 38, Sis, It Wasn't Me. But here was the best piece of advice. If you're ever invited onto the Jerry Springer show, count the chairs. You walk out, you're like, why is there a third chair here? Just in yes. Count the chairs.
Ed Goggin, greatest advice ever. All right, while we wait on Haley Lee, Josh, your choice. Do you want to – Do you? oh, wait, hold on. She's getting ready to call. Um, do you want to dive into the Giannis stuff? Sure. Or do you want to talk – you want to do Giannis here? Yeah, yeah, we could talk a little Giannis. Okay, so here was the cut post-game after Giannis and the Bucks were eliminated by the Miami Heat when, I mean, let's let's think about it. This was a situation where the Bucks probably should have at least, at least forced a double overtime, right? At the very least, they should have been in a situation where they forced a double overtime. But, but they didn't, so they lose, and they're out. And then this doozy took place post-game. Oh, my God. He was asked, by the way, if he believes this season is a failure. Uh, okay, because I'm not that up. You asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay, uh, do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to make it personal. So, there's always steps to it. You know, um, Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports about. You don't always win. Some other other people's gonna win. And this year, somebody else is gonna win. Similar as that. We're gonna come back next year. Try to be better. Try to build good habits. Try to um, play better. Not have a 10-day stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we were able to win one. Hopefully we can win another one. What do you think? You got a problem with it? I don't have a problem with it. I'm not sure I totally agree with it. On, on some level for Milwaukee, now granted, Giannis basically missed three games in the series. So, did he individually fail his team by not winning this series? It's hard for me to go there just because, again, he didn't didn't play a lot of the series. Right. That sort of almost – the whole series sort of has an asterisk on it for Milwaukee. But that, just generally speaking, yeah, it's it's a failure for Milwaukee. Right. They're, They're the one seed. They're going home. But, Josh, there is no failure in sports. That's what Giannis told us. Boy, well, this is... Giannis is wrong. Losing is oftentimes failing. I like how now we're trying to, to fight about the, the line between if you lose, is it a failure, or is it just, hey, it's sports, you're going to lose every now and then. Let's say you guys, 405-651-3439. Okay. Um, I've been assured that Haley Lee is available after the break. So we'll take a timeout. 
when we come back, the Sooner DP, I still think their leader in home runs, will join us next as we get set for the final regular season home weekend for the Sooners right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the home of Sooner fans. The Ref, we are pumped to be joined by Oklahoma Sooner senior Haley Lee with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Uh, Haley, I know you have a busy morning. Thanks so much for fitting us in. How's the week been treating you so far? Um, so far, pretty good. Uh, I mean, the weather could have been a little, little better, but not too bad. Hey, speaking of of the weather, how has that affected you? Have you been in inside a lot? Have you guys been in Everest? Have you been able to work outside at all? What's the week of prep been like? Um, we've been hitting in our indoor cages and then heading over to Everest. Uh, later in the evening just to get some defensive work and stuff like that. That's good. Uh, Well, first and foremost, I haven't had you on, so thanks for finding time for me. I really appreciate it. How's your first year as a Sooner been? How have things gone for you transitioning from an incredible career at College Station to here in Norman, the life side of things, the teammate side of things, the, the living side of things? It's a whole new town. How's your year in Norman been for you, Haley? Um, it's pretty, it's been pretty adventurous. Um, when I first came here, I was like very small, um, not really much to do, but you know, getting to hang around the teammates outside of softball, outside of practice, they really get to show you around and kind of make it more fun and just being a part of their family and their culture has been a really fun progress and situation for me. Um, Getting to come to Norman was kind of a blessing, you know, getting to kind of get away from my normal, you know, coming far away from home was something new for me, and I just had fun. It's been a blast, you know. I've, I've had fun. How, how cool, unique, weird has it been to go up against former teammates, right? Because, you know, obviously you went up against your former hitting coach a couple weeks ago when Tech came to town, and you had one of your former teammates, and Herzog's had a really good year there. But how how weird has that been, Haley, when you're in the opposite dugout of people that you've been with for so long? Um, I'd say it's pretty weird, um, <laughs> you know, because at the end of the day, like, they were – you were friends, you know. You wanted them to succeed, and, you know, at the end of the day, you still do. You know, you wish the best for them, and you just – hope they found their happiness just as I found mine, and you just keep wishing them the best. You know? uh, I hear you. Haley Lee is our guest. Uh, for you, what I, I've asked Alex this before, and I haven't really had a chance to talk to, to Sid or Alina about it, but for you specifically, maybe maybe in that same vein with Alex Straco, you were a leader, right? You were, you were one of the go-to people in that clubhouse, in that dugout, what was that process like for you when you got to Norman Haley and finding your voice and understanding kind of the the leadership role here, being that, again, you know, you have a captain, but you're still a leader in some senses. What was it like finding that voice for you? Um, you know, at first I was just kind of not quiet, but, you know, just sitting back and kind of understanding how everything went. And then as I got comfortable, as I really became – friends with everybody uh, outside of softball and really learned how everyone handles situations and seeing how to respond in certain situations. I think finding that was really big for me. And then I took it upon that route to kind of just proceed and 
just really learn everybody and then know how to handle every situation that was kind of thrown at us. And, you know, um, our captain does a great job and, you know, everybody leans on everybody at the end of the day. So it just, it helps that everybody's on board for it and that everybody understands that we're one and that no matter what's being said, that it's for the better of the team. What drew you to Oklahoma? What made you decide on Norman? Um, I would say I decided more on the, the team rather than Norman. Um, <laughs> but I got to talk to Coach Gasso, and, you know, she really just kind of put that championship mindset in your mind. And, you know, that working hard is not given. Like, you have to put in the effort. You really have to grind your grind gears. You know, you have to put in the work and that it's not going to be easy and everything's a competition. And I think for my last year, that's really what I wanted was someone who's going to push me to that limit to really get everything I can in my last year and just play the best ball that I can and be a part of a great working environment and just that blue-collar mentality and just really fighting for what we want. Do you, um, you caught, um, you played a little, what, first at A&M, we saw you in the outfield during the, the battle series, which was awesome. But has it been an adjustment for you being uh, being a DP most of the time and not being behind the plate or not playing in the field? What's that adjustment been like? Um, at first, it was a little harder on me to just accept, you know. But once I found my role and understood my what I can do for the team and just use that to my best ability, then – that was the game changer for me. Um, every one of our players are great defensively, and, you know, just having that mindset of we're just going to win as a team, it's not really as how I do or as how everybody else does personally. It's just what skills we have the best and how we use them. And so I think that is how I've accepted and just kind of kept my mentality on just being the best I can be at the role I'm given. Hey, I'm curious, Haley. Did you? Who did you have relationships with? Because, like we said, everyone is kind of involved in travel ball. I found your sweet recruiting profile when I was preparing for this uh, interview with you today. Um, but did you have relationships? Like, had you played against Jada? Um, had you played against Brito in travel ball? I mean, what what were those relationships like? Did you have some preconceived notions, some prior relationships, whenever you came in to OU? I. Did not. Uh, mm. Me and Jada are kind of years apart, so <laughs> I didn't really get to play against her much. Um, for the most part, we either stayed very local to Houston, Texas area, which is about an hour, two hours tops out of my, like, where we would travel. Jada and I are about four or five hours apart, even though we're both in Texas, but we would either play there or we would go to the Cali, Colorado tournaments. And I actually, so I'm very, if you're not on my team, I'm not very, (laughs) I don't really pay attention much to outside (laughs) stuff. So if you're not on our team or (laughs) making ESPN, I really haven't paid much attention. So I'm very locked into what we're doing now and how we're progressing as a team and, yeah. Yeah. So, in other it would words, be cool, you. Yeah. Yeah. No. But but no. That's 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 even more incredible about how easily things have meshed for you. 
because a lot of times there's a prior relationship or there's someone that was on your travel ball team. But Haley, like you said, this <laughs> I keep trying to build up, Norman. But this was about Oklahoma softball. This was about Patty Gasso for you. This wasn't a buddy that was on this team. This wasn't a person that you played with. I mean, that's 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 pretty awesome to see what led to you coming here to Norman. Yeah, it was exciting. I'm I'm glad to be here. Yeah. All right, a couple more, and I'll let you get out of here. Haley Lee is our guest. First of all, um, how did you first realize that Haley Lee could play college softball? When was that moment? Whenever it kind of clicked that, all right, this isn't just travel ball. This isn't just something that I'm doing in high school or or in the summer outs. This is something to where I get my education paid for. When did that moment click? I feel like it clicked for me when I was like young, very young, like seven, eight. Oh, wow. And I, I grew up watching baseball. I was a very big MLB fan. And I was like, I want to do that. Like, this is what I want to do. And they, my parents had explained, like, hey, you know, female athletes don't really get that opportunity. But, like, if you could go play college, go play college softball. And then it was just like, well, that's what I'm doing. You know, like, I want to reach that level of greatness and just be on TV and have that swag about me, you know. So then, <laughs> young age, I was I was committed. I was locked in. And oh, that's then awesome. It's actually, yeah, that was exciting. Um, 40 minutes from Houston, growing up in Kingwood. So does that mean you're an Astros fan? A diehard Astros fan, <laughs> Listen, this has been a fun interview. Um, I appreciate the time, but as, <laughs> as a lifelong Dodger fan, no, I, I, I'll tell you what, you, you lived through some stuff then, because people don't remember it now. But Haley, the Astros kind of stunk there for a while, so you had to get yep. through some rough times with the Astros, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I right, actually uh, got my softball number from an Astros player. Did you really? Who got it? Uh, Carlos Lee. He's, oh. he's. Long time ago, back for the Astros, the little half star. That's when he was around. Yeah, so I've hey, been, I've been around Astros for a minute. <laughs> well, I was going to say I'm more like Glenn Davis, Mike Scott. So your pops and I could probably have a conversation about the Astros from back in the day. You said something there that resonated with me. Um, mm-hmm. Your parents, when you were a kid, there weren't really those opportunities, right? For female athletes, it was oh, here's the Olympics or. Here is a women's college basketball game. There wasn't a ton of coverage. How cool then has it been for you to not only see the growth of this sport, to be on the cutting edge of it, and to have opportunities to play this sport beyond college, Haley? How cool has that been to see the way that this this sport has just been on an absolute rocket ship and opportunities? Um, it's been amazing. You know, you look at where it's been and – where how far it's come you know right across from our softball field you can see how Sooners from way back were playing softball and it's just amazing because you just take it in and you don't think much about it but the sport is growing the sport is becoming fans favorites and being a part of one of the biggest uh, games at the college world the field and OKC um, for the Texas game, like, that was ridiculous. Like, I was – I made a comment to one of the players, like, 
this is the most fans I've ever played in front of. And they were like, really? And I was like, well, yeah, like, this is impressive, you know? Uh, so just getting to be a part of that history and to keep growing the sport because it will become bigger and it will keep growing. And it's just, it's going to be history when it happens. And I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it and to help pave the way for it. So I'm excited. Take me through your love of motorcycles. I had no idea about this. Where did that birth? What kind of made you fall in love with motorcycles, and how often do you ride? So, fun fact. Uh, I got my motorcycle, my first motorcycle from my grandma. Whoa. So, my grandma used to ride back in her days, and she made the comment of, well, does any of my, my grandsons want it? Like, she was going to either sell it, get rid of it. And I was like, well, Grandma, I, why does it have to be one of the boys that get it? What if I want it, you know? <laughs> so I took it upon myself, you know. I started taking classes, uh, looking into it. Ended up getting the bike fixed, and I just fell in love from then. Um, very fun. Um, I do wear a helmet and everything, so safety first. Uh but it's very spring, and I enjoy loving to ride. Um, the weather here in Norman isn't the best often, so when I do get a nice day, I, I tend to ride when it's pretty outside, yes. That yeah, just that's, even adds another layer to it. All right, I'll let you go on this, and I appreciate all your time because I know you're busy, but uh, Haley, take me through how, how you feel about this team. Obviously, longest active winning streak in the country. Went and swept three from... Uh, Baylor this past weekend. You've got a chance to clinch the Big 12 regular season title with three wins this weekend. How do you feel about the way this team is progressing as we approach the postseason? Um, I'm very excited to see where we're going. Um, I'm excited that we haven't reached our peak yet. We're on a continuous build, and we're just getting better and better and stronger every day. So just keep – I'm waiting for the big – boom where we all just show up and show out even more than what we have um so the work's being put in the effort's been given and we're just going to keep building keep growing and keep fighting and keep showing out on the field so how unique is the approach whenever it's literally you don't see a pitcher twice normally that's just got to be wild and even going back to what tech tech did six different pitchers i know you're over there in the dugout and you're grinding away but how wild has that approach been, Haley, to try to counter? Um, it has been difficult because usually you go through and you make your adjustment right away on the next when you see her again. Um, but when they're throwing another pitcher at you every at bat, you just really got to focus on seeing the ball over the plate and swinging hard. So although it's been a little tricky, you just have to simplify it down and just play the game, you know, uh, Take it back to your select ball days, travel ball days, where you had no film at all, and you just had to see the ball, hit the ball, and run some bases. So we'll just keep it that simple for now, and hopefully we'll just start seeing more pitchers over and over and just keep crushing the way we have been. You keep crushing. Hey, Lily, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. We'll have to talk again soon, and good luck this weekend. Thank you so much. Take care. See you. That's Hey, Lily. Not bad. Not bad debut on the Plank Show for Haley Lee. Currently the team leader in home runs. She has 12 home runs on the season. By the way, Oklahoma currently as a team has four 
individuals with double-digit home runs. Sophia Nugent has seven. Kinsey Hansen has eight. As a team, they've hit 80 home runs. And in conference play, Haley's hit six of her 12 home runs. We'll react to that. Get your text. Talk a little draft. And remember Jerry Springer next on The Ref. Here's a good text from Camo Sooner on the Haley Lee conversation. Thanks to Haley. Uh, Haley brought up a good point when she said they haven't hit their peak yet. If that's the case, they've been sweeping teams and carrying a winning streak without playing their best ball. Case in point, their bats weren't as efficient while in Baylor, yet they dominated anyway. I feel sorry for the teams they play when they hit their stride. You know, and there's going to be – Josh, you and I talk about this a lot. The reason why I think this team is a little better positioned than 2022 is because the depth of the staff. And there's going to be a game where maybe Jordy Ball doesn't have it. But if she doesn't, then Alex Straco might. And then if Alex Straco doesn't, then Nicole May may have it, right? So you always have this incredible depth of pitching So when you have games like Oklahoma had, say, Saturday in game two against Baylor or even game one against Baylor, you know eventually you're going to – maybe game one on Saturday is a better example where you just can't get the offense going and you're not having to dig out of a hole because your pitcher gave up three or four or five runs. For the most part, you're usually scratching the surface first whenever you get that first – run make sense that all makes sense yeah absolutely but it seems wild to me to think that you can look at this team that's riding the nation's longest winning streak and they feel like they haven't played their best ball yet well at times that's probably true right I mean, you just look at the final scores. It's, again, it's difficult to go out and just club teams left and right and run rule every single game. But consistency with the bats is probably an area across the board for, what, the last month or so? Right. Oklahoma, I think it's fair to say Oklahoma can improve there. Sure. Absolutely. They have to. They must. Um, And they will. And they will. But it's also – it's also something that I get it. I get it, Josh. There's going to be games where if Oklahoma doesn't win it, 8-zip, 9-zip, 10-zip, then people panic. It's like, why didn't they run roll? Because this is normal softball. This is what typically happens is you play good teams and they play well. <laughs> Sean writes, no need to apologize for Norman compared to that garden spot known as College Station. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people have checked in already on the conversation involving the Giannis post-game quote, and I feel like there's a they there's a distinct line between those who listen to what Giannis said, and go, oh, "It's amazing, that's how it should be," and others that are like, "No, there's absolutely failure in sports." In fact, two guys brought it up um, for the four three zero. You fail your way to success, Brent Venables. Uh, for the 405, isn't this basically the same as BV saying you fail your way to success? I don't know, I, I, I kind of think that's online with what Venables has said, right? Well, 
I, I, here's what I would say to that, and I don't disagree with that portion of it. I, I agree with that in sports. But Milwaukee's been a champion. Giannis Antetokounmpo has has won a world championship. This right. was a failure. They were the one seed. They got bounced by the eight seed. Yes, he did not play several of the games, but he played the last two, and he played in this one, and he missed 13 free throws. He failed in this game individually. He failed. From the 918, there is failure, but in principle, he is correct. I mean, I, th- I think we're in a semantics battle here, to be honest with you. Exactly. It's <laughs> semantics to defend the fact that he and Milwaukee individually and collectively did fail in this series. You, you're going to fight with some people on Twitter.com today, Josh. I'm just here to tell you right now, or on the text line as well. Uh, Sugar Shane in Newcastle. Rest in peace, Jerry Springer. Legend of sick day television. Oh. See, Springer, for those of you who are talking about this being sick day TV, y'all parents let you watch way too much trash TV. I'll just say that. Because, you know, by the time Springer was in his kind of run, I guess you could say, there is no way that my parents would have let me lay around and watch the Jerry Springer show. But then again, I was also 16 years old by the time that the show came out. R.I.P. Jerry Springer. All right, Gary Cavins joins us next right here on The Ref.